Hi, and welcome to the Irana Hills Church of Christ podcast. We hope this message from Pastor AJ Hines brings you closer to knowing God, finding freedom in Him, and understanding what He has in store for you and your community. To learn more about Irana Hills Church of Christ, head to aranahills.church. We hope you enjoy this message. Thanks, Sammy. Good morning. For those who don't know me, yes, that is my name. <laughs> it's good to have you with us and um, nice and cozy. We can wear jackets, which is a bonus for a couple of weeks in the year. I had to buy new ones because I couldn't find the ones I'm storing at home. When we moved from Melbourne, we had to store all of our big, I got long, nice jackets that I can't find. And um, so it's good to be here with you. Um, this morning. Phenomenal. We're excited about what the Holy Spirit is doing in our body of believers because it's going to influence our world, hopefully. And so um, thank you for partnering in that space. This term is all about pace. It's all about how we move, how quickly we do it, and what motivates the pace of our lives. And we're speaking about moving like Jesus for a couple of weeks. And then we're starting a new conversation on unhurry. And so um, it is uncomfortable for those who are used to moving quickly. Uh, who's got busy days? Whose life is busy at the moment? Hurry, hurried. They actually call it hurry sickness. You have a disease. You're addicted to busy. You're addicted to your devices. I am. Hi, my name's AJ. I'm addicted to my iPhone, um, amongst other things. And uh, we want to reset, and that's an uncomfortable process, and it, but so necessary. When I speak to families in our church, um, there's this yearning in them to be able to live a different way, but they feel trapped because society tells them bigger, faster, more, quicker. Those are the type of words that are communicated to them continuously as they're being sold things. And so we want to move like Jesus. We are a Jesus community. Can I have a witness? <laughs> Amen? Yes? No? Jesus is important? Should we hear the word Jesus, the name Jesus, every time we come to church? Absolutely. Uh, this is why we gather. He is the very image of God. He is the very character. The very nature of God is revealed in Jesus. God looks like Jesus. So we study Jesus. We become apprentices. We don't just look at him from a distance. We want to emulate. We want to embody the life of Jesus in our walk. In a study of the early church, Alan Crider wrote a little book, The Patient Ferment of the Early Church. They noticed that the early church had a very different posture to people of the day. They say they were almost floating. They wore patience like a garment. You could just see that they had a different type of spirit to them. The problem is that often in our churches, especially today, we have the same uh, pace we, as the world does. We move, we hurried, we worried, we do worry prayers. Has anyone done a worry prayer this week uh, where we worry about things as we're praying? We're like, oh Lord, help me. I'm worrying about this and that and this. Often based on things that might not even happen in the future, we are trapped and we are anxious. And I think the Holy Spirit it's going to help us as a community to take steps towards slowing down. Slow down. It's uncomfortable to slow down. I had a spiritual director once that um, spoke. I think all spiritual directors do. Spoke so slowly. 
<laughs> it was so frustrating. We'd spend time together, go to the bush somewhere, and he'd just say, AJ, today we aim to achieve nothing. <laughs> My whole body went in, I got the spasm. I thought, oh no, this can't be. Like, everything has to mean something. My whole calendar's packed through things that have an outcome and a planning and a... Oh, it's hard. I thought about doing that today with you, but we won't torture you that much. It's okay. Find people in your life that frustrate you, that slow you down, that help you understand what's really important. Family tend to do that. You only move at the pace of the slowest member. If you have a baby, you're slowing down. If you have an aging parent, you're slowing down. If you have someone who's sick, you're slowing down. Sickness slows you down. This week, two of our three kids, the previous one, the other one was sick. They slowed us down. It sucks. But it's life-giving at the same time. In his book, Alan Crider quotes Justin Martyr, and he speaks about Christians. And he says this, but Christians have been liberated from the old habitus in order to enter into new habits a new morality in sex, continuance, in place of magic, dedication to God, in wealth, bringing what we have in common fund and sharing with everyone in need. Oh, can you just feel the pain there? In violence and xenophobia, living together and praying for our enemies and trying to persuade those who unjustly hate us. There is something different about being a Christ follower, not just in terms of your philosophy or your sayings or your great songs but in terms of your practice what you practice what you do faith in action and in the book of James which we are reading through for this conversation we're talking about faith in action what does it matter if you have great faith but there's no fruit what does it matter if you can quote scripture but you're not living it out this is our journey as we navigate what it really means to embody the life of Jesus. We've been breathing this year. We've been hearing from God, not just listening, but hearing. We've been speaking and trying to adjust our mouths to resemble the sound of heaven. And we are called to move like Jesus because our bodies have a language. Many people don't have time to spend with you, to hear how smart you are. They're reading your body language. What are you communicating to your world? I think my neighbors probably do not think I'm a Christian by the way that I move in and out of our garage, in and out of... The car, I think if we leave a little window open, they definitely know I'm not a Christian uh, when they hear us speaking and racing through life. You see, it's not just about swearing or it's not just about slandering. It's about being anxious. It's about being tense. It's about being rushed. What are we communicating to the world through our bodies? I think the lie that we believe is that if you're a Christian, things go well. You're strong, you're powerful, you're a winner. This week I spoke to a pastor that recently relocated from a country that shall not be named, and he just loves winning. It's all about winning. And I get that because I was there back in the day. 
But maybe it's more for us to lean into our posture of weakness or meekness as we surrender to the presence of God. Maybe it's not about winning. Maybe it's not about outpacing others so that we can get ahead. I think the prosperity gospel is like a powerboat. You put your hand on the throttle and you go. You're in charge. We move at pace like that brother there. I can just see. Doesn't like look fun. I think they lost control or something. It's fast, it's exhilarating, but you're going to come to a quick end. And the reality is with the power boat is you run on fuel. And it's quick and it's nice, but there's a moment there where it doesn't matter how you push that throttle. <laughs> Nothing's going to happen. You have to take out something and row. What do you call that? Help me. Great, great agreement. You see, I think the spiritual life is more like a sailboat. It's a journey where we have wind coming at us from all angles, from the front often. We have people in the room that have the wind blowing in their face. It's hard to navigate. It's hard to see a way forward. And then at times you have the wind at your back. It's easy. You just have to open your sail and you just flap away. And it's like life is cruising you forward. But we are called, and I believe that our lives are like a sail. When we open it, we glorify God most, not just in the times when the wind's at our back, but when it's in our face. That's when the great skill of the Holy Spirit is most at display, when we have the courage to open our lives up in the midst of chaos and a storm, in the midst of a wind blowing in our face. Maybe today you're sitting here, and last week we spoke about this, that you're experiencing that life is a bit difficult. James 1 then has a great start in its scripture where it helps you understand something which we read last week. My friends, count it all joy. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. When you fall into various trials, praise the Lord. Thank you. Do you have agreement? Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work. Do not skip out prematurely, it says later, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Patience. Count it all joy. When it comes from all angles, count it all joy. We're having home inspections at the moment because the owners of our house is selling. And so what a great gift to our life. To just 24-hour notice, your house has to be clean and ready. But you know, our house is always clean. So we're just, we're just shifting a few things. We're just moving a few things, isn't it? And, um, and the, my children, the great thing about children, they always make it better as well when you're under pressure. You know, isn't it? They, they just wait for things to be great. And then they give you, no, they wait for it to be hard. And so this week they had... Prank wars in the house because they were sick this whole week. It was great. What a great gift to us. They were sick this whole week. We had open home. They were sick. And then they decided to do prank wars because they learned about it on YouTube, which means that you just prank each other in any way. Anything that can make a mess, you put it in front of the door and the bulb flips over. And now the whole upstairs floor smells like we have a dog. It's great. And then um, this, yesterday we had an open home. I found mucus on our on uh, on the what do you call it not the curtain but the the blind I'm telling you it is something I've never seen in my life the size of this thing 
It was that long. It was spread. I don't know how you can project that, but one of my daughters that shall not be named, one of them, um, projected that thing onto the, and I found it about five minutes before people were coming to our house. I had to scrub it. It didn't come off easily. Count it all joy when various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. The end of the, the text then on James 1, just to rehash, is then beautiful. As it transitions us from this patience, this idea that perseverance is patience in action, to a space where we move outside of ourselves. Anyone who sets himself up as religious by talking a good game is self-deceived. The kind of religion is hot air, and not only hot air, real religion, the kind that passes master before God the Father is this. Reach out to the homeless and loveless, the widow and the orphan, in their plight, and guard against corruption from the godless world. I love how he exits this chapter. We know they didn't write it like that. Today we speak about inclusion. One of the most beautiful terms, but one of the hardest things to do as we aim to practice diversity in action. My friend Caleb Miller quoted this. He said, at the end of the day, I'd rather be excluded for who I include than included for who I exclude. Most religions exclude. They're specialists helping people understand that they do not qualify through their behavior and therefore they need to bind by these rules and practices and performances to enter a space where they would qualify to be part of a holy huddle. The Christian message is that Jesus initiated the action and the heart of God towards humanity to include all of us in a new reference that supersedes that of Adam and gives us a starting reference that includes us and sets us into a new type of world. And we get to partake in that. But it is confronting because now you see it's not just my type or my kind of people that are welcome. It's all kinds of people. And because I am so entrenched in my own flesh, I do not like or enjoy diversity only but at a distance, not necessarily in my home or in my presence or in my life because it makes me uncomfortable. But what we learn in this book of James, that's almost a Proverbs of the New Testament, except it sounds more like a Sermon on the Mount, is that <laughs> uncomfortable is good for us. Comfortable is not good. It is not towards where we are going. We're not trying to be more comfortable. In fact, we're trying to be more uncomfortable as we grow in maturity of our faith. Because it pushes us to the other. It stretches us to expand the kingdom of God and to give Him glory. If our well-being or our comfort is the goal, my friends, we are not pursuing the way of Jesus. Now, it doesn't say that it's not going to be fulfilling or exhilarating or an adventure. <laughs> it doesn't say that the Holy Spirit won't comfort us because that's what the Holy Spirit does. But it's more than that. God invites us into a type of freedom and a law of liberty that gives us a responsibility for the whole. We're just not separate from the pain in our world. We're invited into it. 
So the book of James is very much for believers. It's a hard book to read. The more you read it, yes, it's short and comfortable, you know, to go through, but it's actually very uncomfortable and it repositions you into a new frame of mind. And it's important if you look at the way that Jesus moved, he moved towards pain. He moved towards suffering. (coughs) He moved towards poverty. Now, we don't necessarily experience poverty here in this country like other countries do. Poverty looks different in every nation that you live in. I've lived in New Zealand, lived in the UK, I've lived in uh, Melbourne, I've lived in Brisbane. I come from South Africa. I've seen a different variety of poverty. Some of you have been in India, you've been in third world countries where literally like just having electricity or water is a great advantage. But Jesus has a posture towards the poor that needs to change our minds and our hearts. Just the book of Luke has so many examples. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, Jesus says, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. This is not just the spiritually poor. This is also the physically poor. Jesus liked the margins. He drifted towards them. Uh, when you study people that Jesus hung out with, it usually starts with, we'll start with women because <laughs> they were not classed in the same category as men in those days. Children, the poor, the sick, struggling, the dropouts, the drop kicks. <laughs> So at the very least, you know that you qualify today. It's also towards those poor in spirit. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. But when you give a banquet, the parable of the banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The sick, obviously, story of the leper, Mark 1 verse 42 45. I'm sorry if the picture makes you uncomfortable as someone with leprosy. This is the most beautiful leprosy picture I could find on the internet. There were a few other options. I decided not to put them on the screen for the fear of offense or making more people uncomfortable. But it brings the story to life. A leper came to him begging on his knees, if you want to, you can cleanse me. Jesus deeply moved, Jesus put out, listen to this, his hand and touched him and said, I want to be clean. Then and there the leprosy is gone and the skin smooth and healthy leprosy is a reality today in the world still. He touched him. Jesus moved towards, not away from. There's this gentleman that walks in the street here in Arana Hills. He walks incredibly Slow. <laughs> if you've ever driven by here, do you, has anyone who I'm talking about is an older gentleman? That brother walks slow like nobody I know. He's slow. <laughs> he walks slow. He never makes the little green man. He, he probably gets a third of the way. And he doesn't change his pace when the red guy comes on. He keeps it going just the same pace. And you just have to wait. And you can see the frustration in people's eyes when they sit there. Really? I have to wait. Yes, you do. Absolutely. The other day I walked past him. He was walking past another older lady. We were with our team and she came past me. She said, oh, that is just so terrible. And I thought she was going to talk about the fact that he's in need, 
that maybe he's got some mental health challenges or whatever. And she said, he stinks. He smells like urine. He, she used another word, but I just use urine, yeah. And he does. That's just a fact. The reality is, are we drawn towards those people or away from me? Let's be honest this morning that there are many times in our weeks where we, we shy away from people who are different to us. We're not necessarily drawn to them. And I get it because I do it myself. Often, I would pass someone by and God would speak to me and I would just ignore it. It's not so hard to see. You see, maybe if you live in a high-end estate, there's a different kind of spiritual poverty in that area. But poverty is all around us. Sickness is all around us. You just have to skip on to a different suburb next door to find it there. The great and the good news is, is that your skill set, don't feel guilty this morning. This is just I'm talking about the text. Your skill set is perfect to reach a person with spiritual or physical Poverty, with spiritual or physical sickness. You, church, are equipped. This is the good news. You're equipped to make a difference. And many of you are. I know. I've been in some of your homes. I've seen the lists of people that you've helped. I've heard the stories and feedback of what this church has done. But you know what? None of this matters if we're not posturing differently for the future. So James 2, let's read through it as a faith community here this morning, and you can do it again on your own in the week. My dear friends, don't let public opinion influence how you live out our glorious Christ-orientated faith. This is obviously out of the message. If a man enters your church wearing an expensive suit, bless him, and a street person wearing rags comes in right after him, and you say to the man in the suit, sit here, sir, this is the best seat in the house. And either ignore the street person or say, better sit here in the back row. Haven't you segregated God's children and proved that you are judges who can't be trusted? You see, I think it's easy for us <laughs> to read this text purely out of a church context. You know, the church should be, the church should be doing this. Have you used that language in your life? The church uh, mm, 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 the church, <laughs> okay, that's fair, sure, the church should be doing a lot of things, but congratulations, <laughs> faith community, you are the church. So just in the moment that you're telling the church what to do, just remember that you're telling yourself what to do, because you're, you're not excused from that sentence, you're included in that statement. If the church should be doing it, great, show me how to. Are you practicing what you're preaching? That is this book of James. It is the gift of it. It helps us navigate what's happening in our lives because somewhere in our lives we're saying yes to the man in the suit and we're saying no to the man in the rags. Somewhere in our lives we're doing that. Maybe not necessarily physically, but maybe in the way that we pick our schools for our children. Maybe in the way that we decide where to give. Maybe in the way or the place we decide to spend our time. Because show me your bank account, show me your friend list, and I'll show you what's happening in your heart. That is the reality, what it means to live it out. Show me your calendar. Let's have some fun. <laughs> 
I'm not perfect in any way, shape, or form. I guarantee if you look at my bank account, there's, there's more McDonald's entries there could feed a village. I do not have enough poor friends. I do not have enough sick friends. I just don't. Such fun. We continue. Listen, dear friends, it's clear by now that God operates quite differently. He chose the world's down and outs as the kingdom's first citizens. Sounds like the Sermon on the Mount, doesn't it? With full rights and privileges. That's the offense right there. You see, diversity, diversity, diversity. Inclusion is diversity in action. This kingdom is promised to anyone who loves God. And here you are abusing these same citizens. Isn't it the high and mighty who exploit you, who use the cords to rob you blind? Aren't they the ones who scorn the new name Christian used in your baptisms? In your baptism, you do well when you complete the royal rule of the scriptures. Uh, this is the second time it uses this phrase and it uses the royal rule in the end of chapter one. This is the royal law of liberty. You see, freedom has responsibility. One of the reasons we're slowing down this term is we recognize that lockdown makes things easy not everything businesses are struggling people are struggling financially but it's easy to slow down when someone tells you to slow down am i right you don't have an option shops are closed you can't go shopping (laughs) yeah but i want to go shopping you can't go shopping the shops are closed i want to go to the gym you can't go to the gym the gym is closed so what am i going to do you're going to walk your street that's what you're going to do you see it's easy when it's mandated It's easy. But when we have freedom, it's hard. I walked with my children like once or twice a day when we had lockdown last year for that little bit, the full-on lockdown. Since have I walked with my children? Maybe once or twice. See, freedom has responsibility. And now I have to make decisions. And we want to equip each other and cheer each other and help each other to understand, friends, we have the Holy Spirit. That can help us in times of freedom to be contributing citizens, to make good decisions, to live at a pace that is sustainable and life-giving and breathes new opportunity into us, but also into our families and our streets. You do well when you complete the royal rule of the scriptures. Love others as you love yourself. But if you play up to these so-called important people, you go against the rule and stand convicted by it. You can't pick and choose in these things, specializing and keeping one or two things in God's law and ignoring others. The royal rule, the law of liberty and freedom. Is your movements, are it creating freedom for people or bondage? It does the same in the first chapter. It speaks about patience and perseverance. And then it comes in a second portion and it speaks about faith in action. Really making sure people understand that the fruit of your life is an outflow of the faith you observe. That your words only go so far. Mm. I was going to pause here and pray a little bit. Is that okay? 
feel it's very silent here. It's Presbyterian church. <laughs> I don't know. People make that joke. Let's just pray a bit. Father, we thank you. You're so gentle. Yes, you are, Lord. I think the thing is, Lord, you believe in us. You believe in us. And sometimes, Holy Spirit, you just come and you, you call out that which is really true. You call out the latent capacity of your people. You call out the, the gold that sits in your midst. And Lord, yes, that sometimes it's uncomfortable when we, we come to this realization that, our, that things don't align in our lives. But I know, Holy Spirit, that you are such an such a incredible gift to us that you can realign things internally in moments. Lord, I honor you for what this church has done in the past. I honor you for what it's resembled. I honor you for the fruit that it's produced. But also hear the call of the future. I see the risk. If we miss the response in this season, in this COVID crazy world we live in, if we miss the response in this season, if we cannot read the Sermon on the Mount in the now, Lord, we are in trouble because we are not representing you accurately. So I pray for a divine alignment, Father. A divine alignment in our people in this moment. A divine alignment in our posture. A divine alignment in what we value because it's what we value that we will treasure. It's what we value we will base the future on. It is there where we will invest and it is there where we will focus. Father, may we be a Jesus kind of people. That the poor is at home and the sick find healing. The fatherless find their true father. Father, I thank you for this group of people here and in Zulmir and watching online. I thank you, Lord, that we are at the, at the very time now where we need to be in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Let's transition a bit. <laughs> We're going to go heavier or what are we doing? I don't know. Okay. Once we had a visiting uh, pastor from a different um, movement and great people, um, but um, they, we asked them for a bit of feedback. And this is about two years ago. So we asked them for a bit of feedback. And, um, and it was interesting. One of the comments they made was that we were very casually dressed. I thought that morning. So the team was very casually dressed and, you know, we need to adjust the way we dress because what you present is what you attract. Hmm. I thought that's interesting. I agree. But it's probably not going to cause me to dress up. <laughs> probably going to cause me to dress down. You need to chuck out a few of those new shoes I bought. doesn't mean that God doesn't love the rich. He does. There's just more responsibility on them or on you if you're rich. Don't you have to put your hand up. Please don't. Let me know who you are. Praise the Lord. Okay. <laughs> this is so fun. I enjoy it so much. 
Faith in action, verse 14. Dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere if, uh, if this is you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about your faith indicate that a person really has it? For instance, you come upon an old friend dressed in rags and half-starved and say, good morning, friend. Be clothed in Christ, <laughs> but be filled with the Holy Spirit and walk off without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? Can I have a witness? I can already hear one of you agreeing and saying, sounds good, you take care of the faith department and I'll handle the works department. Ooh, now I'm getting excited. <coughs> the care department, the community department, the people department, the pain department, the down and out department. Hey, we just appointed a new community pastor. Just send all the problem people to him. <laughs> I once served in a church where they introduced me as Mr. Community. I hated it because there was now a department. Loving people does not have a department. We all do so differently, whether it's in business, education, social services, arts, music, sport, all of that has a place for us to play, but there's no specific department for the royal rule of love. Not so far as you can show, uh, no more show me your works apart from your faith, that I can show you my faith apart from my works. Faith and works, works and faith fit together hand in love. Do I hear you professing to believe in the one and only God, but then observe you complacently sitting back as if you had done something wonderful? That's just great. Demons do that. <laughs> Whoa. But what good does it do to them? Use your heads. Do you suppose for a minute that you can cut faith and works in two and not end up with a corpse in your hands? Faith community, we have a great responsibility but you could also call it a great opportunity. The wonderful thing is, you decide. It's so good to be in a church that is led, that is not, it's led by elders and led by leadership, but it's governed by a congregation. I actually really enjoy it. I really do. I think it's a great opportunity. Because the people can decide. And the Holy Spirit will guide us. May we not be a power boat. May we be a sailboat corporately. May we not be a power boat personally, but be a sailboat personally. May we be guided by the Holy Spirit. May we open our sails when the wind is blowing in our face. When we open our sails to glorify God when it's at our back. And when it does, may we help others open their sails also, what are we about? I believe Amos and the team can come up because uh, we're going to do communion soon. I believe Amos had a moment very much like what we are speaking about. The minor prophet said this, and it's a bit more out there in the message. He says, I can't stand your religious meetings. I'm fed up with your conferences and conventions. I want nothing to do with your religion projects, your pretentious slogans and goals. I'm sick of your fundraising schemes, your public relations and image making. I've had all I can take of your noisy, ego 
music. When was the last time you sang to me? I think we'll do a song before we do communion. When was the last time you sang to me? Do you know what I want? I want justice. Oceans of it. I want fairness. Rivers of it. That's what I want. That's all I want. Father, we thank you this morning that we have a a little moment in time this morning when we gather in this place. We just recognize that there are always two groups of people in our midst. It's those that are facing the wind. It's those that are struggling. It's those that have trials, tribulations. It's those that are wrestling through significant life challenges. That wind is blowing at a massive rate of knots and you cannot see a way forward. You know deep down inside of you, you have the capacity to navigate a difficult season, but you've lost faith, not just in God, you've lost faith in yourself. This morning, Jesus is here for you and He wants to tell you, I have established a kingdom that you are invited in to participate and what you only have to do is not muster up all this faith. I give faith to you as a gift. You just have to open your sail. You just have to open your sail. You've been designed for difficult times. You've been designed for this. You can make it through. You've made it this far. You can make it through. Is that you this morning? Are you facing the wind this morning? I want to tell you, you're blessed. You're welcome. This is the type of place that is made for you. We are here. We invite the poor, the struggling, the misfit. We invite the weirdos. We invite the sick into this place. And you know what? That one touch from the king could change everything. So as the Holy Spirit is here in our midst, Lord, we, we just identify that there are people here that need your help. If that's you this morning, we're all going to have communion collectively in a little bit after we sing a song. But I want to invite you, if that's you, if you have wind blowing in your face this morning, I just want you to raise your hand. Say, Lord, life is difficult at the moment. It's hard. I'm struggling. Whether you're in Iran or in Zomia, wherever you are, just raise your hand. No one's watching. No one's looking. It's not a badge of honor either. You're just acknowledging that you are facing the wind of life. Thank you, Lord. Even as my eyes are closed, I can just know that people are putting their hand up and acknowledging the season that they're in. And yes, book, the book of James calls us to this faith and action, but I think it really encourages us to know that if you're in that, you're built for it. There's a capacity in you Christ is in you. The Holy Spirit is with you. The great comforter, the strengthener, the dunamis power that's available to you this morning. Father, I pray that through the Holy Spirit, you strengthen these people now to open their their sail in the face of the wind, to showcase your glorious, magnificent nature through their brokenness, 
through their patched, patched up sail, Lord, through the pain that they've experienced, their long life of suffering. There is so much glory when you, my friend, open your sail that it looks back at the enemy and says, Ha, you tried to break me. You couldn't do it. I'm giving God glory anyway. Thank you, Lord, for equipping, encouraging these people now to open their sail. Secondly, Lord, I pray for people here with great capacity, financial capacity, faith capacity, skill set capacity. You have the wind at your back. You're flowing, you're flying, you're going at a rate of knots. And I thank you, Lord, for them. I honor you because none of that comes from them. None of the blessing they carry, none of the, the great favor or the, 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 the numbers in their bank account or the, the type of wheels on their car, none of that comes from them. It's all a gift and it carries a great responsibility. So I asked, Lord, because sometimes it requires just as much bravery for those folks to take their hands off their steering wheel because it belongs to the Holy Spirit and to surrender and say, Lord, I'm comfortable. I'm willing to be uncomfortable for the sake of the kingdom. That's what we're calling you to. So slow down. Help someone else. Thank you, Father. We come in response. We sing to you with our lives and our bodies before we take communion. Thank you for joining us today. If you were encouraged by the message and would like to hear more sermons like this, make sure you hit subscribe. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. To experience other messages, videos, and live services, head to oranahills.church and navigate to the resources tab. Thanks for listening.